Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we chat with Joel Kramer. He's the director at the Kramer Collection. It's a museum of 17th century Dutch and Flemish old masters. Now, if you wanted to visit the museum in person, well, unfortunately you can't because it isn't actually a physical museum. You access the museum through VR technology. So we talked to Joel about how this technology works, why did he decide to utilize it for the Kramer Collection, um, how, what does he envision for the future in regard to galleries, auction houses, museums, leveraging this VR technology so their collections and their works of art can be accessible for people all over the world. And then finally, we actually asked Joel to really explain what the experience is like. How good is it? How close can you get to the paintings? No security guards yelling at you here. So it's a really interesting episode of the podcast where we talk to Joel about a technology that may be prolific in the art world in a shorter amount of time than you think. Joel, thanks so much for chatting with us. Thank you for having me. So before we dive into some of the technology that you're using to make the collection more accessible, Tell us about the Kramer Collection, what it is, uh, how, when, it, when it was founded, um, what it consists of. The Kramer Collection is a, uh, is a collection of old master paintings by Flemish and Dutch um, uh, master painters from the 17th century. Um, it consists of around just over 80 pieces right now. And um, it's been, my parents have been collecting that since 1994. Um, yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's, um, it's grown to, uh, to a sizable, uh, high quality art collection. You're using VR technology to make the collection more accessible. What prompted you to want to embrace this kind of technology and, uh, tell us a little bit more about the technology and how it actually makes the art more accessible. Sure. So, uh, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so two years ago, um, I read that um, basically that Facebook uh, was really putting serious investment into its Oculus purchase. Um, And that meant for me that uh, big tech in the form of Facebook, Google, Microsoft, HTC, Samsung, all these big tech companies were were getting behind VR technology in a meaningful way with quite relatively big bets, even for them. And... um, and usually that means that it's, uh, you know, that there's something there and then it's there to stay. Um, so my background is, a, is, is um, Google. I worked there for about seven years. And, um, and I've always been wanting to see how I can use Google or any other digital channel to market our uh, Kramer collection and to build a brand for the Kramer collection by using these digital channels. The interesting thing about that was that uh, no matter how I thought about it, if I use digital channels, I always got back to offering a 2D experience, which was, you know, a website or a mobile app uh, or a social page, um, which is interesting if you're, a, you know, an art lover or a purist, but it's not a very exciting uh, environment uh, for someone who is, you know, does not know yet if they like art or someone who is, uh, not as interested in you know, the artist, art historical provenance of a particular piece. Um, and then my parents, um, from the get-go, actually uh, instituted a loan program for the offline uh, 
uh, operations, which means that you know our pieces, our our, our works go all over the world uh, on loan to museums for a particular exhibition. Um, but everything always uh, was very limited in in reach, right? So for an exhibition, your piece might be seen by a couple of hundred thousand people, which is great. Uh, but it's you know there are nine, almost nine billion people in the world. Um, similarly, if you want to market through digital channels, um, you need to invest and in sometimes significant amounts of money, and all you're able to offer is a 2D experiences. So. The idea of building a, a you know a very real museum experience. Oh, and I should probably also say that we we do not have a physical location where all our art is uh, is hung on display. So the idea of offering uh, an experience that shows our art as a collection and as a whole uh, in a very meaningful and real way, a very realistic way, as you would visit a museum. Um, was very appealing, and with the help of VR technology, that became uh, a reality, or a virtual reality, I should say. <laughs> if I'm someone who's listening to this and I'm interested in seeing the collection through VR technology, what do I need, uh, you know, from a, a equipment perspective? And then once I'm set up, how do I actually? What's the experience like? You know, walking through the collection and seeing things. Sure. So um, the the great thing about um, the time that we live in is that new developments in technology, particularly hardware, go so fast that one and a half years ago when I launched the museum in New York or when we launched the museum, um, I was traveling around the world with what we call a Peli case, which I had to check in as cargo. And it had one desktop computer in it and one um, HTC Vive setup with a lot of cables and a lot of extension cords, etc. And that setup costs about three or four thousand dollars. Today, when I go and show the museum to interested museums or interested people who want to do an event, um, I have uh, three or four mobile standalone headsets in my carry-on on the plane. Um, and I would say that that experience is almost just as good as the the previous Vive experience. And that's you know that's development in in, in one and a half years. Um, the headsets nowadays start with, for instance, an Oculus Go for $200, as opposed to the first headset I, uh, headset I just mentioned. Um, and that is a pretty good experience. The one drawback it has is that it doesn't have positional tracking, which means that it doesn't track you as opposed to the virtual environment that you're visiting. But it's a pretty good start for $200. Uh, and plus, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for kids. You know, it has Netflix, so you can do a lot of different things with it. Then the one tier higher is the medium tier. Uh, it's the standalone headsets that have positional tracking. That's really the future of uh, what I think will uh, will put VR on the map because, it, you know, that becomes better and better in terms of viewing experiences. Um, so that's, I would say that, you know, that's the, the, the minimum that someone... Uh, and by the way, these headsets are about four or five hundred dollars, uh, being the minimum what someone should have if they're interested in uh, in VR. Um, and then it works just like your phone. You make an account in an app store uh, that can be the the Google App Store uh, called Daydream, or the HTC App Store or the Facebook Oculus App Store, 
And for a couple of bucks, you download, you know, a shooter game or a museum experience uh, or other experiences. So it's pretty straightforward. And in terms of walking through the museum, uh, what happens is uh, once you put on the headset and you start loading the museum, uh, you'll start off basically in the in the middle of the museum, which is built like a big dome. And it, from the middle, you have five bridges to five different galleries around you. It's a 360 immersive real-time environment uh, with optimized lighting. And you have a controller in your hand, which allows you... Uh, first of all, it's pretty cool because there's a, there's a, a lightsaber kind of laser coming out of that, uh, which kids love. But it allows you to point and click in front of you on the floor or... Uh, or, or uh, simply towards a, a paint, a particular painting, um, and you teleport, as it were, yourself to that place where you're clicking to, where you're pointing to, and that's really how um, how this is built up. And you know, the experience is built in a way that allows you to come literally with your nose towards a, a, pa- a panel or a canvas, which in uh, I guess. There are no museums where people allow you officially allow you to do that. Uh, <laughs> no, you'll get yelled more, at. You know, you'll get yelled at, tackled. It depends on what you do. Um, but in our museum, you're able to walk through uh, the actual painting, and uh, and then when you turn around, you can see the original backside of the painting, which sometimes also contains really interesting information, like dealership stamps and ownership stamps, all provenance information so it tells a very complete story of what uh, what you can do i'm curious how unique is um this experience for the for, that the kramer collection has i mean i'm thinking about museums um even galleries maybe auction house previews eventually you know maybe they'll all have this but uh how many currently have this kind of experience and what do you envision uh for the future well th- let me start with you know, the fact that I'm clearly biased towards this technology, but I think that by, by definition, physical locations are limited in space. And that means that, you know, if you look at the Louvre or the Metropolitan Museum or the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, uh, if they do blockbuster shows, which they try and organize once or twice a year or more, um, it's, it's starting to become a not-so-great visitor experience because it's so busy that you, it's, it's sometimes really difficult to enjoy art. You know, there are these famous pictures of uh, the Mona Lisa um, where there's a thousand people in front of you, and if you happen to elbow your way to the first row of all these people and not be, you know, annoyed by people taking pictures all the time, uh, you're still sort of three, four, five meters away from the work. So how well is your viewing experience in visiting that museum? And I'm not saying, I mean, let me be clear, the Louvre is one of the most fantastic museums and collections in the world. I'm just saying that by definition, there are 10.2 million visitors, which was a record-breaking year last year, will never be 100 million because they're physically not able to push those people through. And even though they've now built the Louvre Abu Dhabi, even, you know, and let's say they, they get to the same visitor number, um, that's another 10 million people. It's still not 100 million people. Um, and it's definitely not a billion people. 
our model is far more scalable in that we can, you know, we've, we've turned it around and we, we can bring, um, we can bring that museum to the most remote places in the world because we have these headsets. And let me also be clear about this. It will never replace the, the, the actuality of standing in front of a real Mona Lisa or a real Rembrandt. But there are billions of people around the world who will never have that chance who might think that that's a really nice experience. So I think museums have to wonder, um, you know, past our physical location or physical locations, how do we reach all those people that might enjoy our arts? Um, similarly to the people who are able to come to our museum a couple of times a year, uh, because you, you know, you will be able to turn those people into fans as well. And I think that's really important. And I think that's a far bigger group than your core visitor group in your physical location. So I, sorry, in short, I see a tremendous future for this technology for museums going forward. And, um, uh, that's the, the business case that we're trying to prove with the Kramer collection, both for ourselves, but also towards the market. And, uh, and we're absolutely psyched that, uh, that we've partnered up with a couple of other collections. Uh, there's the DSL collection from Paris. Uh, it's, a, it's a great museum, a VR museum. Uh, they've built this because they had a similar problem. Chinese contemporary art, you know, uh, one of their pieces is 14 meters high. It's a bit difficult to find the space for that. Uh, and so, again, out of necessity, they've built a virtual reality museum. Um, and then there's the guys who are creating art with the help of virtual reality tools with contemporary artists or modern artists. And I think that is very powerful as well. So that's, you know, I think VR is good for two things. Uh, one is reach and distribution. And, and two is what we are starting to call story living, which is uh, a very powerful way and a very emotional way of, of telling a story about a particular piece of art. Yeah, and you said you were, um, you know, you had partnered with a few other collections. So, <clears throat> are you, is your focus just on the Kramer collection, or are you also trying to, as a business, um, implement this technology for other collections and maybe museums and galleries? Oh well, I mean, I, I, I don't really. I want to talk about the Kramer collection, of course. I don't really want to plug the development company behind it, but. Um, uh, I have a, uh, I'm a partner in the company that built and developed our, uh, our museum. They're called Moyosa Media, and we are definitely trying to push uh, other museums, other collections uh, in, in doing similar things. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be full, you know, a full-blown museum experience. It can be one piece or a couple of pieces at a time to, to start testing and see the impact. Um, we will. You know, we believe in this technology, and uh, we will definitely continue to push the market towards this. Got it. And then I know offline we were talking about at the Kramer Collection. You have a feature uh, or program specifically for kids. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so um, when we launched this museum, we did it at a private event in uh, in New York with some people from the, the art world, from the tech world, some friends, and. Uh, we also launched something we call Mighty Masters. And Mighty Masters is a kids program which has a goal to bring great art to kids all over the world using uh, virtual reality technology. 
and again, it's it's built on the premonition that um, I wouldn't dare uh, quote a percentage, but I think there are many millions of kids around the world who can be empowered and inspired by art and don't have access to art in a very, you know, in a similarly meaningful way that I just described in, in, in virtual reality. Um, and if you see, you know, I work if, through this program, I work with, with schools. Um, we're doing a project in India. We're doing a project in Nigeria. We're doing a project in, uh, with kids hospitals in, in the Netherlands. Um, and if you see how eight-year-old kids or, you know, I was in Bahrain at an art conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there's this six, seven-year-old girl who's just, you know, the, the, the headset almost doesn't fit, you know, on her head because it's so big for her. But she just she's just in the museum clicking away like it's the most normal thing in the world, uh, looking at the art and sometimes asking questions and what is this and how do I... Uh, you know, how do I know, uh, how, how can I see more from this artist? And that's very powerful. These kids are really happy. And that's be I think that's because it's a very exciting new technology. It's more a video game to them. Um, and they really engage with, with that art. And, and I know that this is something that's, uh, that a lot of museums struggle with. You know, they're trying to create all these cool kids programs. And a lot of them are doing really cool things. Uh, but this is something that, uh, that I hope that they will... Um, connect to and, and join at some point uh, because, you know, right now it's, it's, it's just our collection. Uh, but I would love for these kids to have access to the greatest art pieces in the world, whether that's contemporary art or, you know, in French impressionism or old master paintings. Uh, I just want to have a, a great curriculum of, uh, of art to, to bring to the most remote places in the world. Joel, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and speaking with us about the Kramer Collection and you know the really interesting VR technology that you're utilizing to make the collection more accessible to people. If our listeners want to learn more about the collection and the technology, what's the website they can visit? It's www.thekramercollection.com uh, or www.mightymasters.org. Perfect. Joel, thanks so much again. We appreciate it. Very welcome. Thank you for having me.